I mean, it kind of sounds simple, but like for me, it was, I loved the sport and I loved what it did for my life. So why not be on a board or be a part of a, a community that brought me joy, so. Hello, and welcome to Steady State Podcast, your rowing fix, where the water is always flat, the catches are clean, and you can always hear the coxswain. We're revealing a narrative about rowing culture that celebrates the expansive array of rowers, coaches, and coxswains, in a podcast designed to save a real-life experience from launch to coxie at every level. We're Tara Morgan and Rachel Friedman, and this is Steady State Podcast. Sit ready. Thanks to everyone who listened to our last episode with environmental scientist Susanna Cass, who learned to row at Cambridge University. Despite claims that she wasn't very athletic, rowing became a fixture in her life throughout university and beyond. Her love of messing about in boats has brought her on adventures crossing seas and oceans, seeking new ways to link her love of boats and biodiversity. If you missed it or any of our episodes, listen anytime at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, could you leave us a review? When you do, it helps our podcast get noticed and reach more ears. We are really interested in backstories, the experiences on and off the water that make people the rowers, coaches, and coxswains they are today. And when it comes to clubs and boathouses, we want to meet the people that make it happen. With that in mind, we've begun a semi-regular series spotlighting clubs around the world. On this week's episode, we're heading south to spotlight Nassau Rowing Club in the Bahamas. With plenty of sunshine, gorgeous water, and social distancing measures, NRC offers Learn to Row, Juniors, Collegiate, and Master's programs. We admit we're pretty jealous and curious. Joining us today are Carrie Ann Kulig, proud member, head coach, and executive director, Kyle Shea, founding member and board president, and Emily Morley, a member of the board of directors and past president. Thanks everyone for being with us today. Woohoo! Thanks for having us. Great to be here. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for agreeing to chat with us today. We love what we're seeing on your social media feeds, so we wanted to chat with you today. We like to just start off with, how's your rowing week going? What's going on? Oh man, well, this is a rough week for us because the cold front just blew through um, this morning. And so there's probably very little rowing going to happen on Lake Cunningham this week, just because the um, wind direction is looking pretty rough. So no one's been out yet today. Um, I think we may take our ocean boat out and go out and sort of play around in the chop, but it looks like it's going to be a land practice week for everyone, which is fairly disappointing for some of the rowers, but also necessary. Yeah, I was gonna say a cold front is like, it gets down to 60 degrees and it's Mm -hmm. super windy and chilly and that's our winter and it's really exciting, but not for rowing. Yeah, that's 66 Fahrenheit, 18 Celsius, 19 Celsius. I've been learning conversions since I've been here. So I'm proud to share that. Very nice. (laughs) Well done, well done, I'm really proud. Emily or Kyle, have you guys been out on the water or erging or doing land workouts or what have you been up to? I just did a quick 6K this morning. Monday is typically our day off. So 
we rode Tuesday, basically Monday afternoon through till Saturday afternoon. And I actually moved to Atlanta two years ago. And um, so I haven't been rowing because I was in grad school, but I wish I was on the water. I'll take a rowing morning any day. Well, we've got connections for you at Atlanta Rowing Club and Peachtree City. So if you need an intro when you're ready, we've got folks for you down there. I will definitely take you up on that. (laughs) Okay, great. So we want to know how you all found rowing. What attracted you to the sport? Why did you stick with it? Why rowing? Okay, so uh, I discovered rowing in college. I actually did not row in high school. Um, My high school didn't have a rowing team. Uh, In college, I was walking around at the club fair, you know, looking at all the booths, like, okay, maybe I'll try this, maybe I'll try this. And I was like, oh, rowing. I'm like, oh, that looks fun. You know, and um, it was an engineering school in Massachusetts. And the coach looked at me and said, oh, you look sort of athletic and tall enough. Um, should try it. And I thought, okay, great. And then I signed up for rowing, start, you know, training with this novice squad. Um, and I make the team and I love it. So I rowed um, for a year and a half at that school, um, then eventually transferred out, you know, so my collegiate career was a little shorter, but uh, I resumed rowing again uh, when I moved back to Boston um, on the Charles at Community Rowing and then also uh, Cambridge Boat Club. So I've been coaching up and down the Charles uh, since then. And then now here uh-huh. I'm in the Bahamas, which is a whole different leap. <laughs> so. Yeah. So you, you said, uh, you know, you started rowing and you loved it. Do you remember <laughs> what it was that you loved about it that kept you coming back? Yeah, all of it. I mean, the challenge, you know, the being on the water. Um, I grew up in uh, Western Massachusetts where there's a lot more nature. <laughs> so uh, outside of Springfield. So I grew up, you know, on lakes, ponds, hiking, you know, my very outdoors parents took us backpacking um, when we were little. And so it was sort of for me, like reconnecting with that, being on the water, you know, being in a motorless boat um, and just the, this, the, the, camaraderie too you know we had a women's eight and that's all we had we could only field one women's eight <laughs> and we rode together all of novice year and just sort of building that you know from catching your first crab in a race through you know winning whatever when we win it's just it's that that feeling really uh, kept me going I, I love that you know we talk a lot Rachel and I talk a lot about why rowing means so much to us hey Emily what about you So I grew up in the Bahamas, born and raised. Um, I was always super athletic. So my dad actually went to the Olympics for swimming. So we've kind of just had very athletic genes. I have two younger siblings too, who are swimmers and um, sports was just always a big part of our life. Um, But when I was younger, there was no rowing. The lake was there, but there was no rowing club. Um, Really, I didn't even know what rowing was until I went off to boarding school in upstate New York. Um, I went to Emma Willard School, which is an all-girls school in Troy. And I was moving into my freshman year dorm and my house parent, she was the assistant coach of the rowing team. And I was 5'10", 5'9", at the time. And just like an awkward teenage girl (laughs) and stumbling around. And she just kind of looked at me and she's like, have you ever tried rowing? And I was like, you mean kayaking? Like I had no idea. I was so innocent. And she was like, well, it's a winter and spring sport. So just keep it in mind. And so I played soccer that fall um, because I'd played soccer my whole life before, um, before I was 15. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to try basketball because it was a familiar sport to me in the winter. And how the gym went was that the basketball field was below the, um, 
the kind of area where all the ergs were. And so every single basketball practice, I was just like hearing ergs in the background. Um, so basically the basketball season ended and one of the seniors on the team, the rowing team came down and was like, Hey, like, can I just show you how to do it? And I just remember being like, Oh, this is actually kind of like weirdly fun. And I picked it up super quickly. Um, I got put in the varsity one boat my freshman year, kind of just like got thrown into it. I remember my first day in the boat, I was like, this is like, I mean, upstate New York, it was still very cold. And I just remember being like, if I flip, I will freeze to death. And being from the Bahamas, like I was around water 24 seven. And I was like, why am I afraid right now? Like, this is kind of cool. So it was, um, so I wrote all four years of high school and then went up to Ithaca College, which is a D3 program and wrote all four years there. And um, yeah, I just fell in love with it. I think kind of the same as Carrie Ann, it was a community where I felt like I felt kind of lost at boarding school my first year. And it was like a group of girls that like we all just loved doing it and it's very meditative to me um so like being with your closest friends and also getting like a really cool like mindful um moment like in the morning in the afternoon and also it was off campus so like that was a plus (laughs) um it was like I was hooked honestly after my first spring season yeah, that's one thing I have always loved about rowing is the the camaraderie and the fact that, okay, we might go to bed early and not have a great nighttime social life, but we get to see dozens of our friends every morning. And I've always cherished that. <laughs> Kyle, what about you? What's, why did you stick with it? What's, how'd you get there? I actually discovered rowing my sophomore year. So I played rugby my freshman year. Uh, did what most people don't do, which is go from rugby to rowing, um, and actually joined up in November. So had about four or five months on the ergs. I was like, this is not great. But I was in the weight room. I was getting strong. I was getting faster. And and the whole team said, you know, just just give it till give it till spring break. And when you go on spring break and you get on the water, that's when you'll be hooked. And they were completely right just the feeling of being good at something. I was I was a kid who didn't have any hand-eye coordination. Uh, I wasn't great at team sports. Um, and so I did martial arts growing up. So I never really had like a team sport uh, mentality, but this was, this was just something that I realized I, I really, really enjoyed. Um, and as I grew into my personality and realized that I had this great talent for bringing people together and motivating folks, um, that that really just gelled well with, with the rowing mentality. So I uh, was lucky enough to study abroad at the University of Bristol um, and was rowing there, um, really developed my technique, learned how to skull there, um, and then graduated from Vassar as men's captain. Um, so all throughout that, it was I, I saw that rowing was a great way to make friends. Um, and actually, when I moved to Hong Kong after graduation, the, the first email that I sent was to uh, the Royal Hong Kong Yacht Club to basically say, hey, guys, I'm a rower. I don't have any friends can I hang out with you? And most of my friends to this day from Hong Kong are, are from the Yacht Club and, and my racing days there. Um, one of the most popular questions on Masters Rowing International's Facebook group is, hey, I'm coming to Argentina. Where can I row? Hey, I'm going to the Bahamas. Where can I row? And the connections that people do this, like it's like it's our own travel bureau. You know, it's one of the great uh, connections that Ra- Rachel and I love is that, you know, we hope someday to go on the steady state media tour and <laughs> we'll come. <laughs> and we know people at 
in Scotland. We know people in the Bahamas. We know people in uh, all over now. It's kind of, it's just really cool. And there's always this same sentiment of, yes, come on in. We love it. You love it. Let's all do it together. And, and it's, it's just been, it's great to just feel that verification that yes, we are in an amazing open and welcoming community with rowing. So we're really curious about who's rowing at Nassau Rowing Club and what makes it special. So as board members, you kind of know about the elevator pitch, like how you would talk about Nassau at your fundraiser or on your uh, Facebook fundraiser or what have you, but why are people there? What makes it so special at Nassau Rowing Club? I'll, I'll kick this off. Um, so I, I remember when there was no Nassau Rowing Club. Uh, I, I, I moved back to the island and every day would just pass by Lake Cunningham. And it's three and a half K of straight glassy every single day. And as someone who had rode at a pretty high level for four years, I said, I just, I just want to get out there. Um, and I think in bringing together the board that we did the first in the first few years um, and really having the goal of being a community outreach vehicle. Um, we really kind of brought together the ethos of this is a place for everyone who wants to work hard and be excellent and be supportive to each other. Um, and I think over the years that's really come together and has really been cemented um, with with Emily and, and now with, with Carrie Ann coming through and really breathing a lot more life and energy into um, our public school outreach program, which is our uh, opportunities, opportunities and access rug squad, conveniently acronymed ORS, um, where we uh, go into nice. public schools and we reach out um, to, to kids who just want to experience the sport, even if they've never heard of it before, even if they've never touched an OR, and, and they're able to come and row at, at no cost to them or their families. Um, that's even extended to Hurricane Dorian survivors um, from the devastating storm back in 2019. Um, and so it's really grown into this place where everyone's welcome. And I think with everyone being welcome and comfortable, that helps people perform at their best um, and really pushes them to continue to perform at their best. How big is, is NASA? Well, like, what kind of a region are you serving? Uh, just describe it for us. Um, so Martha's Vineyard is about the same size. Um, but you've got the population of, what, 400-something thousand, 375,000 on this island, uh, 21 by 7 miles, I think. <laughs> wow. You know, I was actually really curious about this. I was checking it out yesterday, and I now know that Nassau is a little bit bigger than Washington, D.C., where I am. D.C. is a, a 10 by 10 square with a chunk taken out of it for Virginia. So we are something like 65 square miles with um, a population of about 700,000 today. And I think I read that Nassau is 70 something square miles, but you've got fewer people and much better water. <laughs> yeah, well, not the drinking water, but yes, the rowing water. Yeah. <laughs> Emily or, or Carrie Ann, do you want to chat next? I was like, going to add from like a board member's perspective and after Kyle um, left, I stepped up as the president in 2017. Was that 2016? Um, 2016. And I obviously was just kind of like 
this kind of the same way. I was like, I want to be able to continue this because it's a great sport and it's a great opportunity and we have great water in this beautiful lake. And so why like let it slip by the wayside? And I think another thing that I realized and what brought me great joy being the president or hopping in as a coach or, you know, like being somebody to like set the boat while people are learning to row. It's the excitement of trying something new. Like rowing is very, very like, new and very exciting and like very foreign to a lot of people yes we have water sports and we have kayaks and we have paddle boards and um, all of that but rowing is such a different type of sport I think because it's obviously singular but it's a team sport you have to rely on the people that you're with in the boat and your team to be successful and I think that brought a lot of not only juniors and public school students, but a lot of masters, like a sense of community and excitement. And it was something to be a part of that was new to Nassau specifically and the Bahamas. Um, so that was my perspective. It was just really exciting to see people like really excited about a sport that I loved. <laughs> and, and you guys are kind of known also as a destination place for camps uh, I, I've seen you uh, post a few times in your social media about uh, collegiate rowers being there. Um, and so you do also have an elite kind of feel as well as a camp uh, possibility. Like who doesn't want to go to rowing camp in the Bahamas? I mean, come on. So um, who all is like in a typical week, who's on the water and, and how does that work? That's a great question. And unfortunately with COVID, a lot of that was derailed last year. So, you know, we're hoping to pick it up again. Um, we've had master's groups from Pocock Rowing Center uh, in Seattle. So big ups to my friend, Corey uh, Naisland for bringing down her, her team. Um, from Massachusetts, we had Mitch McManus uh, bring down Greater Lawrence rowing. So we had a lot of great some juniors. Um, they stayed locally at Bahamar. You know, there's Airbnbs here. So we're really trying to promote our tourism industry along with rowing because it really is what supports the Bahamian economy right now. And, uh, and we do, we have collegiate rowers training here. So there are a lot of prep schools who've been online, uh, you know, recently. So uh, Henrik Kanya from Kent and who's going off to college, um, Elizabeth Hall from St. Andrews in Delaware. And these are both two rowers who been immensely helpful to me. Um, and then also uh, another rower from uh, Eton in the UK and um, his cousin who had rowed uh, competitively on the US national team. So yeah, we attract people who come in for vacation. They may have a second home here, um, but we're also, you know, I, I just responded to an email yesterday from a woman saying, my doubles partner, I would like to come row. We're 70 years old, we're very fit you know, we're vaccinated. And I was like, all right, <laughs> you know, come on, come on down. So yeah, so we yeah. attract everybody. Yeah. So wow. For those, of, for those of us who haven't been lucky enough to get to NASA, could you tell us about where you row and what it looks like around Lake Cunningham? So Lake Cunningham is a, a, a lake, it's a brackish water lake, sort of on the Western central side of the island. Um, like Kyle said, it's got a 3000 meter length on one side, not another 2,500. So you can get a good 9, 10K uh, if you're going out to do some steady state. And you know it's got enough space for pieces. Uh, there is an island in the middle of it, which we refer to as the island. And uh, we're surrounded by a ridge on the north side, which helps block some of the wind. Um, a fusion superplex on the southeast side, so you can watch us from the deck of the um, cinema. And then a lot of neighbors, you know, good and bad, a lot of neighbors, residential, areas and uh, yeah it's it's a beautiful lake it's very clear very little animal and plant life 
follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Steady State Network and on Twitter at Steady State Row. Sign up for our e-newsletter and become a patron at SteadyStateNetwork.com. And we're back with Nassau Rowing Club. You mentioned earlier that you had your ocean boat. So you also, in your fleet, you also have some ocean gear. We have one. (laughs) And so again, this, uh, again, pre-COVID, this boat was for sale on a local website. And I thought, well, I'm going to buy that for myself, you know, and I looked at it, it's a great coastal room. I live about a block from the ocean. I can almost see it from my second floor floor a new member ended up owning it and said hey I've got this ocean shell and I looked at it I said that's the one I wanted to buy (laughs) so I made a deal with him he's brought it down to the club where he rows it but if I want to take it out I have to load it up um so we do we have we have a Solani it's an old Solani it's a lovely Italian shell um I would love personally for us to get into some coastal rowing we we just aren't currently on a beach um but personally I've gone out a bit here um also in Eleuthera um, and we are heading to Exuma for some coastal beach sprints uh, and this month. So the juniors for the first time will get to experience coastal rowing, which is really oh, exciting. So if I if I take off my steady state hat, I'm going to put on another hat. Um, I'm also involved with Go Coastal Rowing. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's a brand new 501c3 that got up and off the ground last year. And so Go Coastal Rowing is looking to be kind of like the the folks that push coastal rowing in the Americas. And we want to be the driving force behind adoption of FISA coastal rowing standards and all of that. So we'll be in touch with you. And um, if you're looking for more information about coastal rowing and equipment and all of that, we hope you'll uh, check out Go Coastal. So that's my plug there. Different hat back on. So you mentioned, uh, you know, the Bahamas obviously is a, is a, is it considered an archipelago, 700 islands? Yeah. Archipelago. Um, And you became a member of World Rowing Organization in 2011. So there's a handful, there's uh, of rowing clubs. So you mentioned going to Exima for a competition. I've seen your athlete profiles and we'll link to all of this in the show notes. Um, What other kind of regattas or competing clubs uh, are there in your region that are reasonable to co-compete against not many (laughs) not many um you know it's it's crazy because in only you know nine years of existence we have become the largest club in the english-speaking caribbean um i'm not sure about the caribbean as a whole because uh just the, the data on on the cuban program is is not uh super accessible um but they produce a great number of rowers, you know, Angel Fournier Rodriguez, who's contested every major men's single final in, you know, the last seven you know, plus years. Um, so they're, they're doing something right. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that the struggle with a lot of island, small island developing states putting together a rowing program is, is a couple of things. So the first is location. Um, we're very lucky in that we are probably one of the only islands with a, an actual lake. Um, Jamaica has to row out of a harbor, which is busy with uh, commercial and, and uh, personal watercraft traffic. Um, St. Vincent the Grenadines um, is also rowing out of a bay, but they are unprotected. So it's not great for, for fine rowing and um, just getting the, the community support that you need to get land, to build a shelter. Um, also, the fact that hurricanes come through every year um, is another major consideration for construction as well as insurance um 
So there's mm-hmm. there's just a lot of capital constraints to, to putting together a club. Um, I know I gave you way more information than you need. Um, That's great. But but it's but it's it's difficult. So most of the com- competitions um, that we really targeted when we set up the club initially were um, the head of the Charles in the fall to basically give um, our rowers who at the time were just targeting juniors to give them a taste of what it's like to go to a big, exciting, loud Northeastern regatta um, in a head race format. Uh, And also, you know, just get starstruck and see some celebrities walking around. Um, And then in the springtime race at the Miami International Regatta. So um, Carrie Ann can actually talk a little bit more about that um, and kind of what that process looks like because it's super fun, super easy, and, and the kids love it. Yeah, so since I've been here as a coach, um, I arrived in August of 2018 in the Bahamas, um, and I've been a tourist here before, so I sort of knew what I was getting into, but then you never know what you're getting into. Like, (laughs) Kyle was saying with island life, uh, you know, again, importing boats, you know, in unstable infrastructure. So, like, I'm downstairs doing the Zoom call today, so, uh, yeah, (laughs) in case we lose uh, my internet. But, um, so, (laughs) it's been great. I've taken the, the team to Miami uh, twice it would have been three times but then COVID literally shut us down the week before we were supposed to leave um, so for the juniors it's been a really good experience to take the competitive team you know for those who are maybe at the JV status you know I don't take novices I want people to have a good time when they race um, and I've got some great like varsity level rowers now so we've gone over to Miami and um, twice and then we like I said we were scheduled to go um, to Exuma Beach Sprints. And so for some kids, this will be, like I said, a different style of rowing. Um, but for some of them also, it's the first time they're going to leave the uh, leave New Providence, like leave Nassau. You know, one kid, it's his first time on a plane. So even though we're just going to another family island, it's sort of like, you know, rowing opens, oppor- it opens doors. It's just showing them the opportunity, like we call it the opportunities, you know, uh, access rowing squad because some of our government school kids and private school kids might not, see like this is what a big regatta looks like or this is what Miami is like or you know and so a lot of it for me I mean I traveled a lot with rowing um and it's just great to offer that that experience so um yeah I would imagine that they're gaining uh life skills from that they're able to you know you can train them to be great humans too you can coach them to be great humans in the world and how to say hello and how to introduce themselves and how to seek opportunity and be resilient and be adaptable, which is, I mean, what kid doesn't need that right now? It's, it's amazing. And these uh, profiles you've been putting up are just beautiful. They're, these kids look tough and strong and they look excited. Is they, one of the girls showed up like a pretty dress and her hair was all, and I looked at her and said, what is this picture? Who are you? You know, I don't recognize you. I said, go home, get your ball cap, get your game face on. Now we're going to do them again. So yeah, you're seeing, I've coached them through, again, theater background. I was like, this is not the look we're going for. <laughs> so you're yeah, like, this isn't the shoot that I wanted to style. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. We're trying to be a little more intimidating. <laughs> so I'm really glad, Carrie Ann, that you, that you had that rower do that and say, who are you and what are we presenting to the, the public about, about rowing and, and strong girls in rowing? Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious about, I mean, today we're recording on International Women's Day, um, but it's obviously not going to air uh, live for a couple of weeks, but it's an important topic about diversity and, and who's getting included and who's being asked to come and play. And I, I'm wondering about 
I'm a master's learn to row coach. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to do in the whole world. Happy to come down and do a learn to row sesh Please. for you. I love learn to row so much. <laughs> master's learn to row is amazing. Um, so when you are building the club, obviously masters is an important part of that. Tell me a little bit about your learn to row program and maybe some success, a success story from one of your uh, learn to row folks. To, to Emily's point, you know, people saw us and said, oh, I know how to kayak. Well, that's not what we're doing. Um, and, and to that point, we were a, there was a much wider intake, I would say. So uh, our target audience was um, the international schools and the private schools on the basis that you either have parents or relatives or just broad exposure to rowing as a sport. Um, you know, there's, there's some cultural affinity to it. They think it's an attractive value proposition for college applications. And that's how we kind of establish a beachhead in, in the academic system. Um, the great thing is that the Bahamian school system is, is pretty diverse. And so um, you have friends of, of all colors. Um, I won't steal the Rainbow Nation uh, status because that's South Africa, uh, which is another great country that I love. You walk into any classroom and it's pretty diverse. So even if there was a, a white kid who was interested because their parents, relatives, uh, for whatever reason, got them involved, uh, there would be uh, black kids, Hispanic kids, um, Asian kids who would come along as well uh, to participate in the, in the program. Um, now, the retention was a whole different thing. Um, just came down to kind of cultural outlook and, and what people really saw as the quote unquote value of sticking with the rowing program. Um, but that's how it started. And, and, and of course, a lot of the masters as well, uh, were, were wider, were, were expat, um, American and European. Um, but now Carrie, I can tell you about what we've done and how we've changed. Yeah. So again, like I said, um, I've been here about two and a half years. Um, and when I first arrived, it was a very small, again, very white expat masters women's group who told me, well, I rode with this person. She rose with that person. And I was like, okay, well, I'm the coach and <laughs> we're going to see what we're going to do here, you know? So I think the first part was sort of taking some control back from the, the group. Like they had their own ideas. It's like, well, this is what we're going to do now. And um, so just starting to get them to flow a little bit more as a team. Um, they've made a lot of great technical progress. Like if you look back at some of these old videos, I mean, everyone hopefully progresses over time, but uh, I'm really happy with what, what that's done. And then, you know, we started reaching out more, like more social media, more advertising, um, a lot of word of mouth, you know, getting kids' parents to join, getting, you know, offering a learn to row on Saturdays, um, offering now a midweek learn to row. So for people who have flexibility, you can come down um, Thursday, Tuesday, Thursday morning, drop the kids off at school or you work from home. Great. Um, so some of that has, you know, definitely happened. Um, and, you know, we're not just recruiting sort of from, yeah, the gated communities um, anymore. And, you know, I'd have to say that our master's squad is a lot more diverse than it has been. Um, one of the women on my squad, uh, her name is Zakita Bethel, and uh, I'll feature her actually in this next newsletter. She's a farmer, you know, and I buy a box of produce from her every week. And we talk about how like our, our propaganda, our Instagram, like, oh, I guess show me with the vegetables, you know, and, like show her on the boat. And it's just like, she even says like, wow, it's so great that, you know, we're sort of all mixing in like as Bahamians, you know, so you have like, your Bahamians who, you know, like I said, she's a farmer and works at the university. Um, and then you've got your expats, sure, your visitors. Um, and it's, it's about just drawing more of the community in. 
Um, I would say I think our biggest challenge for um, locals, for Bahamians, is again swimming. Uh, and that's the one thing I've had to, and that's another conversation for another day, but just, you know, breaking that barrier of, can you swim? Are you afraid of the water? Why are you afraid of the water? Like, you know, so getting through all those conversations first and, you know, um, it's more about, it's more about the experience and like, what can you get out of this and what do you need to break through to get there? Thank you. So we've talked a bit about 2020. You've talked about being uh, impacted by COVID-19, but we know you've done some, you've had some programming, some connection to your rowers. Could you talk to us a little bit more about 2020, what you were able to do as well as what 2021 looks like it might be shaping up to be? Uh, so yeah, so man, crazy. It's, we're coming up on a year of when the uh, Bahamas shut down for COVID. Um, the Bahamas actually responded very quickly and very well, I think, with the COVID uh, precautions, you know, just a, a, a mask mandate um, was official almost immediately, you know, just the way we could move around and not move around. And we did shut down uh, a lot, and that was really hard for us, um, but I think that's why our numbers are so good right now. Um, we're still doing 85,000 cases under 200 deaths. So that's kind of, we feel safe here. I feel safe here. I haven't left. <laughs> um, but so what we did with the athletes is at first, you know, I was like, okay, let's transition to Zoom. And so I had my masters in the mornings, juniors in the afternoon, some yoga. We would just do Zoom workouts, strength, conditioning, uh, cardio, just circuits, yoga classes. Little by little would find, I'd build weights from things I found around the house. Cause you know, we were locked down for two weeks at a time. And I was like, I got these milk jugs with rocks. You know? um, it was a very Bahamian sort of like island uh, workout for some, sometimes and run around your neighborhood when you could. Um, so it was, it was tough, honestly. And, you know, when we slowly were allowed to use the lakes again, to allow to gather, to have sports again, um, I, we started small, you know, just a few kids, um, small boats. So I did a lot of work with singles and doubles this year. And I definitely think that's what contributed to my junior success and their technical ability. I mean, the masters too, everyone really improved because they were forced to. Um, and so I think we did lose out on some of a lot of the team camaraderie. Um, but I think, you know, looking forward to next year, just continue with the small boat training. Uh, we have a lot of precautions at the boathouse, you know, scanning temperatures when I remember to bring the thing, um, you know, cleaning our handles. Uh, we did a lot of partner boats. Um, but yeah, and then we also did some interviews with the rowers about what are you doing at home during COVID? Like you might've seen some of those short clips over the summer, like, hey, I'm blah, blah, blah. And, uh, so just trying to keep keep it going, um, the community going. Uh, but I'm, and I do, I, mean, I think maybe lost two rowers who decided to not come back, but I think that's pretty good considering, you know, <laughs> the global pandemic. So. And so where do things stand now when you're looking out maybe the next couple of months? So we're, we're slowly coming back. You know, uh, my junior team, I've got about 21 juniors. You know, again, I've still split them up over a Monday through Friday schedule. So they don't all row together yet. Though we're sort of starting to group like, okay, you're more varsity girls, you're the varsity boys, you're the novice. Um, so we are starting to get, you know, we are on the water, uh, except for this week. Um, what else are we looking forward to? You know, hopefully going to this regatta in Exuma and then hopefully hosting Scholars Rowing Club to come up to us at some point. Um, but that's not only COVID, that's also our land issues we're having right now. So um, trying to find a permanent home for NASA Rowing Club is one of our current goals. Um, and then, you know, the masters get them racing this year. They've been training for 
years now and have not raced and I, I threatened them, you know, you start racing or I quit. So, so there may be a space for you, um, Tara, to come up and, you know, take over those masters. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah I think on the, on the strategic side, um, cause that's the fun part, what I get to do. Um, you know, we've built a lot of really great partnerships. I think the time that we've had to, you know, stay at home has, has just given me, uh, and, and the board leadership, a good opportunity to think what are our strategic objectives. So is that a bigger intake for the opportunities and access rowing squad? Is that um, getting more kids into college and really strengthening that pipeline and building partnerships with institutions? Um, we've also got a, um, a really exciting partnership with the local school. Um, and, and that's really going to help secure the longevity of the program. And I think, um, a lot of our our capital concerns because with, with any rowing program like we're, we're always in fundraising mode um, there's always something to be raised money for there's always something to be fixed and i think um, this partnership is really going to give us the the legitimacy from kind of like a social perspective as well as from a financial perspective that we really need um, and i think that's just going to help us um, achieve our mission which is really to create the uh, the prepare the premier competitive rowing program in the bahamas um, and we want to do that in a safe, sustainable, and inclusive way. That's a great line. I mean, it's, you know, when you put stuff out there, this has been a theme for me in the, during COVID. If you say it out loud, it will happen. If you say it out loud 20 times a day, it'll happen. I know I've said the same kind of um, uh, Brene Brown, who's a, a speaker and a lecturer and writer. She calls it the BHAG, the big, hairy, audacious goal. And I'm like, let's do more of that. Let's just put it out there because at this point it can't get any weirder. Like it can't really <laughs> like, why not? <laughs> you know, um, I love that. So say that again for me. We want to be. The premier competitive rowing program in the Bahamas and grow in a safe, inclusive and sustainable way. Boom. Very nice. <laughs> President Kyle. So that's a great segue into um, one thing that our listeners are all challenged with, I'm sure at some point or another, is do I join the board? Yeah, and the three of you have really championed Nassau Rowing Club as founders, presidents, founding members, board members. For people who haven't taken that step to run for a board position in their club, what could you tell them about why getting involved at that level is important? Emily, that's all you. <laughs> so I, I became president of NASA Rowing Club when I was 22. Um, granted, very small club. There were barely any members. And obviously it was, but it was also a big feat to take on. And I think if you are considering it, um, I've always gone by the notion of you always ask for help. And if people can't give it, then like, that's fine. You, I mean, asking never hurts. And so I was always under the impression that if you're going to, I mean, any help is good help. Um, even if you take on a communications role or a social media like role, or um, like me right now, I'm a graphic designer. So I'm like Carrie Ann just said, I'm just doing flyers and I'm here for growing knowledge at board meetings. And um, I think if you, are considering it or if you feel like maybe you're not 
putting in you're a parent and you like doing all the tents and stuff. And obviously regattas aren't happening right now. You can be a parent on the board and any knowledge is good knowledge. Um, I think that if you're willing to, I mean, it kind of sounds simple, but like for me, it was, I loved the sport and I loved what it did for my life. So why not be on a board or be a part of a, a community that brought me joy. So I don't know, simple, but I mean, why not really? Really? You yeah. know, and in all fairness, I don't, I don't think I gave Emily a choice really. when I. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I stepped down because I ended up going to grad school um, and just realized that I wouldn't have the time. Um, and one of my, and I mean, similarly to Emily, when I, when I started the club, I was what, 23, 24, yeah. um, which was scary. I mean, anything's scary, right? Um, it's like, I want to, I want to make a rowing club and there is no model to just cut and paste from. Um, and I think it's for, for folks who are thinking about joining the board or who have been on the fence about joining the board. Um, I, my, my piece of advice, which we say to a lot of folks in our community is, is start small. Um, so if it's, if there's, you know, like Emily, she's a graphic designer. If there's one thing you do really well, or there's something that you bring to the table that nobody else has, do that for an hour a week. Hmm. You know, it's not that much time. Um, all Sometimes it's just a matter of, of sending a few texts or sending a few emails and then pressing forward to the board who will do all the heavy lifting at that point. But a lot of times, especially in, in the Bahamas, there's a lot of who you know versus what you know and it's just a matter of knowing who the right person is in the right organization uh, to get that done um and for a lot of time making sure for example on the parent side knowing who can raise money or who we need to go to for for a government uh approval for something um just a lot of little things and many hands make light work Wow. Yeah, I think it can be really overwhelming to someone who hasn't been on the board before. Um, they feel that it could potentially take up a lot of their time. But I like how you're talking about um, finding the thing that you do well. Uh, so Emily, that's something that I that I thought of early on in my rowing career. I'm a pretty small person, and I just finally realized like. I should learn how to cox, you know? And so not only did I learn how to cox, but I started a coxing education um, program within the club that I was in. And then a few years later, yeah, I mean, it was something like, I couldn't believe that nobody had done that before, you know? And then a few years later, I was with a different club and I really couldn't stand their branding and identity. And I'm a graphic designer. So basically I went to the board and I said, here's what I think we could do that's going to help brand, rebrand the organization. And once you do that, here's what you can do with that rebrand, marketing, getting new members mm -hmm. and all of that. Um, but I didn't think, oh, well, I'm going to step in and be the treasurer. I don't know anything about that. Yeah. Uh, but it can be really challenging. And what I have seen uh, most recently is the people stepping up to be on the board tend to be newer rowers. They're a year, two years in, and they are so excited. They're so excited. They want to grab on and do something for the club. Whereas, I don't know if this has happened, if you guys have run into this, but sometimes the people that have been involved 
10 plus years, they're like, I'm exhausted. (laughs) I'm not sure I want to be on the board. (laughs) They're like, I've been president twice. (laughs) I've been there. Yeah. (laughs) I also wanted to throw out there that I'm a longtime nonprofit professional. I've been in the fundraising sector my whole career and I'm very like uh, desired on boards. Right. So because I have all this experience with high level fundraising and I have the rowing thing and I, you know, so rowing boards, uh, it's kind of a no brainer. However, as a professional and as someone looking for professional development, I would argue that joining a board is a great way to do professional development. So I joined our senior center board here on Valshan Island so that I could join the audit committee and the finance committee, because of course they want me to join the fundraising committee. And I'm like, no, no, I will, I'll advise or I'll participate but I am looking for a professional development where I know I could also thrive, serve the organization. So it's another way of looking at it too, as a networking opportunity, as a business uh, opportunity, getting yourself on maybe a high profile board, you know, like head of the Charles or or something like that could really elevate someone um, as well as serve their community. So just a pitch for that side of it. Um, But I don't wanna go too far without acknowledging the fact that Emily, we are in the presence of greatness with Emily's Olympic accomplishment. And Kyle actually brought it to our attention right at the beginning of of the podcast session. And he's clearly very proud. You can't see him, but he's very proud. So Emily, do you wanna tell us a little bit about that experience or the story behind that? Um, Yeah, so I'm the first rower to ever represent the Bahamas and obviously the first female. So that's, um, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, so I, like I mentioned, my dad went to the Olympics in 84 for swimming for the Bahamas. And so it had always been around in our house, like his plaques were up and like his blazer for opening ceremonies. We always tried on as kids. And so it was always like a conversation, um, that was had, but it was always had for my sister and my brother who are swimmers. Um, I, like I said, I played soccer and there was never, I mean, there's great soccer teams in the Bahamas, but not Olympic level. Um, so I just always assumed, and I'd always played like group sports. So I just always assumed it was never in the works for me until I actually started sculling at Ithaca. Um, that was a program in the fall that they offered and they obviously still offer for the women's team. And I hopped in a single skull and I loved it. Um, I, not to toot my own horn, but I was just like very naturally gifted with rowing. I don't know how else to, maybe because I'm almost six foot and I have very long limbs and had been around water my whole life. So it was just always very comfortable on top of the water, around the water, like anything. Um, So when I started sculling and obviously single sport, Um, my dad and my coach were talking at the single sculling championships my senior year of college and my dad was like well you know like the olympic trials are happening this was in the fall so this was like in september october maybe of 2014 and my dad was like you know like olympic trials are in chile in march of 2015 like emily could go And of course, my coach, Becky Robinson was like, yeah, she could go. (laughs) And my other coach, Beth Green was like, hell yeah, she can go. (laughs) And so I was like, well, I'm also the type of person that I will try anything. Um, And I was in the middle of my college rowing career. So I was like, I'm already fit. So like, it's really just like getting more fit and more comfortable 
in a single and like obviously racing in a single, which is a whole different ballpark than racing in an eight or a four or even a, like a quad or a double. Um, so I was like, let's just do it. Like what's gonna, what's gonna happen? Why not? And, uh, yeah, why not? So, but <laughs> like, I think the magic behind my Olympic, yes, like going to the Olympics was like, obviously like my biggest accomplishment in life um thus far um but the magic I think that like create that was created within my training is that my whole team whether it was the men's team the women's team novices like got behind me so like every single piece I had the whole team like cheering for me through a 2k or like I had swimming practice I like a part of my training was swimming and so every swimming practice I had, I had five teammates show up with me just because I was there. So why wouldn't they be there? And like, I would do extra practices and, you know, like one weekend we simulated going and competing in Chile. So I had four 2Ks back to back to back and my teammates got in a double and paced me. Like wow. that was the magic that like, I think I always remember. And we called it at Ithaca, the X factor. It's like, you don't like, it's never said, or you don't know exactly what it is, but it's felt. And like, you can rely on it when you're in your third 500 and you're feeling like you can't move anymore and you can't breathe, but like you have the X factor to rely on. But like, for me, the X factor was like my team. I am like, I'm almost choking up because I'm so like appreciative of them. So basically did that all throughout winter, went to Chile and I came 10th. And so I just, after leaving Chile, I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to go. Like I was 10th in the woman's single. Um, my hand, I actually hit a buoy in my last like 15 strokes and the oar went out of my hand and I was, oh. yeah. And so I was like, I was ninth and then Peru passed me in like the last 10 strokes. And I was obviously devastated. And I was like, well, there's no chance. So like, let's move on with my senior year, like, and get on with rowing and, you know, like get in an eight. I'm just, it's okay. And then actually on April 1st, the head of the Bahamas Rowing Federation emailed me and was just, literally just like the subject was you're in. And then in the caption or in the body of the message it was said something like you're you made it to the olympics like you're going and i was just like is this an april fool's joke like what's happening here <laughs> so but yeah then i got the official fisa letter and then trained in ithaca well i finished my senior spring in an eight and on the weekends when or off days i would practice in a single so i was doing double practices which was great for my ribs um, it sucked. Um, and then, um, my coach decided to do a skull, Becky decided to do a sculling, um, program for the summer to help pace me. And basically people wanted to stay in Ithaca in the summer because it's gorgeous. So quite yeah. literally. And, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so we, um, we trained and then I went to Brazil and it was the most surreal, experience of my life like I walked around and like was in awe every single step and like the way that we approached it was definitely you know like we're here to compete and we're gonna when we're in competition we're gonna be in competition mode and we're gonna do our best but like we're not here to win gold we know that like you're racing against Jebby Stone <laughs> like 
good luck. But we, like, I was there to compete, but I was also there to have fun. And my, and I think that's what made Rio really special for me because I wasn't like, obviously I was under a lot of pressure, but it was like, let's just go and like represent and like the Bahamas. And it, obviously I felt so much love and support from back home. So, um, but yeah, it was really fun. I, my, well, it's so interesting hearing your story and thanking, thanks for sharing so much of that. We recently talked to Aisha Rafai, who yeah. was also at the 2016 Rio Olympics. And so it's, uh, she told us about her story of moving from like high school, like learn to row novice to becoming someone who is representing her country and kind of the weight that was on her shoulders. Yeah. And it's interesting to hear you talking about your experience and the, the joy that that brought to you being mm -hmm. able to represent while you were there and also just the fun that you had and the support that you had from your teammates because yeah. it can be really challenging as a single sculler right when you're not in a boat you can't finish up a piece and say hey seven seat how'd that feel to you <laughs> you know yeah. um yeah uh, wow thank you so much that's that's great yeah, well we her. are we're going to wrap up. We do this thing called rapid fire and we just ask you a quick question. No need to elaborate, just whatever comes to mind. And there's uh, one for each of you or two for each of you, actually. And then we have one for all of you. Okay. Ready? Sounds good. Carrie Ann, port or starboard? Port, six seat. <gasps> That's my seat. Oh, I love port. Oh, brr. okay. Sorry. <laughs> Kyle, bow seat or stroke seat? Bow. Bow seat, yes. Interesting. Emily, salt water or fresh water? Uh, fresh water to row on. <laughs> uh, Kirian, head race or sprint race? Head race. Kyle, favorite coxswain command to give or receive? Let it fly. Emily, uni suit or tank and trow? Uni. And for everyone, uh, coffee before or after a row? After. Always. <laughs> before. Nice. I'm the coach, so I get to drink during the row. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cup holder in the launch. Yeah. I, I yeah. it myself. Yep. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Nassau Rowing Club, it's been great talking with you. Thank you for sharing your amazing stories and your experiences with us. Uh, we hope that this is just the beginning of this conversation. We'd love to talk to you again. And We'd love really, to come we, guest row. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we hope to get down there soon. Please, please do really a pleasure to meet all of you you're all just joyful and i can feel the sun shining out of all of you <laughs> okay thank you so much everyone have a thank great you. day have a great thank guys thanks a lot thanks nice to meet you talk bye. to you soon bye. bye it's time to check it down and finish up this episode like we always do each week listeners share the best rowing related part of their week let's hear from a few folks Hi, Steady State listeners, Jenny Ellis from Toronto, Ontario, Canada here. I row with the Argonaut Rowing Club on Lake Ontario in Toronto. We are in the middle of winter and remain in the gray zone, which means lockdown. Clubs are closed, so I'm training alone in my basement, but connecting with crewmates over Zoom. So I've put a lot of kilometers on my erg this winter. The best part of my rowing week was breaking the bungee on my erg. I was doing short high rate pieces and heard a snap on one kick, then could feel the loss of recoil. 
It got worse as the pieces continued, but I was of course going to finish the workout. I ended up having to push the handle forward every stroke as there was no recoil left, but the chain was still grabbing for the drive. I split every last elastic. It was in two pieces when I flipped the erg over to check it. I felt like such a badass and what I love is the reaction from other rowers who appreciate the significance of snapping a bungee. It's an indication of someone putting in the work, a lot of work. We celebrate each other's little and big wins. I love that everyone in the Masters Rowing Facebook group gave me props for it as it surely had nothing to do with being a 10 plus year older with thousands of kilometers on it, wink wink. I got a replacement bungee, installed it, and was back on again this morning. Take care, everyone, and keep sharing your little wins. Add your voice. Call 240-390-6026 and leave a brief message with your name, club affiliation, and best rowing-related thing that happened to you this week. Or record a voice memo on your phone and send it to bestpart at steadystatenetwork.com. To see photos of Nassau Rowing Club, along with links to the people, clubs, and events mentioned in the episode, check out the show notes on our website. Did you know that Steady State is more than a podcast? We've got virtual events happening every week that bring together the rowing community from across the country and around the world. Because we miss morning practices and really miss post-practice coffee with teammates, you're invited to join us for 30-minute coffee chat every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern on Facebook Live and Instagram Live. Grab your favorite mug and join the conversation. And join us for Steady State Sundays every weekend on Zoom Ergos. During these 60-minute Steady State Erg workouts, we chat and provide cues to keep you motivated. Arrive warmed up, stay as long as you want, and stick around after to talk. We're also excited to be a media partner for the one-of-a-kind para-rowing global meetup series hosted by Seize the Oar Foundation. These free sessions are open to all para-rowing coaches, athletes, admins, and fans to talk, connect, and strategize for para-rowing success in 2021. To find out more about any of our events and claim your spot in our lineup, visit steadystatenetwork.com events. In two, let it run. One, two, let it run.